And this one, uh, certainly on the more serious side of things and definitely raises some ethical questions for a lot of Canadians, and that is made medical assistance in dying. We're going to talk a little bit about the ethics that surround the mental health component of MAID and the government now pushing off a decision to move forward on that. We're going to get the perspective of our next guest, who's a professor of psychiatry at the University of Toronto. Toronto, excuse me. Uh, Sonu Gained is joining me this evening. Sonu, good morning or good evening. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, good evening, Chelsea. And thank you for taking on such a challenging topic on a Friday evening. Well, it's it's an important one, and it's something that I think is is close to a lot of Canadians' hearts because it certainly, as I mentioned, raises some ethical questions. Some people feel very strongly one way or the other, and whether or not this should actually be something that we that we use and that we utilize as Canadians. It's been legal in Canada since 2016. Do we know roughly how many times it's been utilized since then? Uh, we do. So you're right. It's been legalized since 2016. And then we had an expansion in 2021. And the expansion for made for mental illness is still slated. Uh, that's what they recently announced they would delay uh, beyond March of 2023. But we don't know till when. Under the old rules. So to rewind on the initial rules, made was brought in to help people alleviate uh, their end-of-life suffering. So it was something where the initial safeguard was that death needed to be reasonably foreseeable. In other words, the person was dying. And just for your listeners to know, that did not mean that you needed to be at death's door. Uh, people actually were able to have up to even 10 years of life left to live, and they would and could still qualify. So it was quite quite flexible even then. Under that regime, what we saw was that every year, the numbers and percentages increased. The last year we have statistics for is 2021. And that year, about 3.5% of all Canadian deaths were by made. It was over 10,000 deaths that year. Um, it, we had actually become by then the country with the most deaths by assisted suicide in the world in absolute numbers. The numbers in some provinces were significantly higher, above 5%. And what we also know is that those numbers will be increasing because they have increased year on year, plus the government introduced expansion partway through 2021 so that you could get made even if you were not dying. So... So then I'm confused how that plays into the mental health component of things, because the government has said that they're going to push off uh, deciding who are uh, people with that are suffering with mental illness as their as their main underlying condition further than March of 2023, which is when it was supposed to be discussed. Uh, Justice Minister David Lametti says that he's heard from experts who are concerned that the healthcare system isn't really ready to move forward with some of these really complicated cases involving made. I want you to speak to what he had to say, uh, but here's his words exactly from him. We do have to respect uh, decisions of uh, of the courts. Uh, they have said that med uh, medical assistance in dying is, is a right that Canadians have. Um, and so we're going to the process will continue to move forward, but we're going to do it uh, in a measured and prudent way, as we have done from the beginning. 
So again, that's Justice Minister David Lametti speaking about it. What, what do you say to that, Sunny? Do you think that do you think that the healthcare system isn't ready to move forward? So I think it's actually even more than that. And I should point out that I am not a conscientious objector to MAID. I actually am physician chair of my hospital MAID team. I would not do that unless I thought there was a role for MAID in appropriate circumstances. And I've seen that. And I think that's what most Canadians thought MAID was for, to help people avoid compassionately, to avoid suffering at end of life and to avoid a painful death. The problem is that what the government has now done when they've expanded it to conditions uh, beyond end of life, so people can have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years left. You can get it when you're 20 years old, for example, things like that. What you then find is that the nature of the suffering that people seek it for changes, and it shifts from people seeking it only for um, kind of avoiding a painful death to people seeking it to escape a painful life including a life of poverty, including a life of other social suffering, that frankly, in my opinion, as a moral society, we should be helping people deal with and address in a different way, rather than saying, we're going to give you a quick escape off an easy death. And so part of my problem with Minister Lametti's comments is this. Firstly, none of the court cases that have led to these laws have involved mental illness. It is actually not accurate to say that the Supreme Court or the Quebec Court and Truchon, those are the main cases shaping our laws. It's not accurate to say that they have mandated that we have to provide made for mental illness. That's simply not true. Mm -hmm. That has not been mandated by any court. That was actually an arbitrary decision, which was made by the government when it introduced the sunset clause. Secondly, I think as a society, these are really challenging issues. And we need to be honest what people are seeking death for and what we're providing it for. And that's where the issue of mental illness becomes really problematic. Because we've told Canadians, and this is what our law says, that MAID is meant to help relieve suffering from a medical condition that's irremediable, meaning one that can't get better, one we can predict will not improve. And all of the court cases that have involved uh, th things like ALS, spinal stenosis, etc., in those ones, you can make a prediction accurately about whether the medical condition will improve. What science tells us, what evidence tells us, is that for mental illness, you can't. And although some of my colleagues believe they can predict when a mental illness won't improve in an individual, frankly, they're wrong. Science tells us that. They're likely to be right less than half the time. So that's pretty concerning to me because what it means is that when mental illness is involved, someone's in a state of depression, which is what we know most people seek made for when they seek psychiatric euthanasia in the few countries that allow it in Europe. So they're in a state of depression, suffering from despair. And now you've got a medical practitioner wrongly and falsely telling them, oh, and by the way, you won't get better. Your situation is irremediable. What do we think is going to happen? So that's really concerning to me because what it opens the door to is providing death under false pretenses. I don't think as a society we should be doing that. Hmm. And the last point I'll make on this is that to make matters worse, we know that when people have mental illness, they very often have other social suffering and they suffer from stigmatization and discrimination. 
to me, it's the ultimate discrimination to actually provide death to people under under false pretenses. So that's my concern with it. Our made laws are structured in a way where we're pretending we would be providing made for a condition that won't improve, and we can't know that. You know, the the point of that you made about, you know, many people are seeking it to escape a painful life suggests to me that maybe we just don't have enough in the way of resources made available to people that are really suffering. Do you think that this really leads us to a larger discussion about what mental health resources we have here in Canada for people to actually access? If they had access to those, maybe escaping a painful life and result and resorting to MAID or seeking MAID out wouldn't necessarily be a, a realistic option. You know, I think, Chelsea, you've actually hit the nail on the head. And I think that it is what you've actually asked there is more sophisticated than what's informed the sunset clause that was supposed to lead to the expansion of made for mental illness. Because you rightly have uh, pointed out that even in a country as well off as Canada, few people actually have access to the treatments they need for mental illness. Uh, the Mental Health Commission has told us it's less than one in three Canadians who have mental health needs are able to get help for them. For wow. children and adolescents, it's even worse. It's less than one in four. And the other thing that your listeners might not realize is that Canada is the only country in the world that has made laws that don't require you to have actually had access to or have had uh, tried reasonable treatment options to get better. Every other country, including the ones in Belgium, Netherlands, the European countries, they have requirements that essentially the standard of care needs to have been provided. And there is an agreement that there is essentially what they would call treatment futility of trying anything further. In Canada, we don't have that. So in Canada, you can actually get it, even if you haven't had access to treatments. And that raises concerns along the lines of what you're saying, because I would challenge anyone to um, kind of honestly ask themselves that, you know, we're talking about dying with dignity. And we think about that as our own individual autonomy. I understand that. But how can we honestly say that marginalized people who are suffering from mental illness symptoms who might get better and might be suicidal, who have not had the chance from society to be able to live with dignity, that now their best option is for us to give them an easier death to quote unquote die with dignity. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not true dignity or autonomy because true autonomy requires true choice. And unfortunately, many of these people who are marginalized and vulnerable have not had a choice of having uh, a life with dignity that society's provided them or allowed them. So now, when the government does finally discuss this, what do you think the parameters should look like for access to MAID? I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of questions. What constitutes treatment failure? Who who ultimately makes the decision? Is it the doctor or the patient? What are some of the things that you think should should the government be looking at in terms of pro providing some kind of a framework here? So I think there are a number of things that can be looked at to see how long someone has been uh, kind of ill with severe symptoms, for example, what kinds of treatments have they had access to, what has been tried, what has the response been, etc. Part of the problem is that in Canada's legislation, 
even with those things, our current safeguards are wholly inadequate because we don't have to have people have tried things before they get made. And no one's talking about forcible treatment. That's not what I mean. But the idea that we could come to a conclusion that nothing will help you when perhaps nothing has been tried seems kind of absurd on the face of it. Mm. And that's actually currently what Canada's laws say. And I will point out that, you know, reassurances are not safeguards. If we actually want or expect that people should have had access to have tried many different things, and then based on science and evidence, we try to make a prediction that they are unlikely to get better. That's one thing. But then those safeguards need to be in place. So the law doesn't say that right now. Part of what's very concerning is that the expert panel that was selected by the government and tasked to come up with standards, guidelines, protocols, and safeguards for how to implement made for mental illness, when they delivered their report earlier this year, they quite literally said they felt no additional legislative safeguards are required. They said that they could not uh, suggest any number, length, or types of treatments that should have been tried before providing death for mental illness. And they even went as far as saying and acknowledging that for psychiatric euthanasia, when people seek made for psychiatric illness, that we may not be able to distinguish that from suicidal ideations. And that's what the evidence shows us, that we actually cannot make those distinctions when it's sought for mental illness. And what they said was, despite that, society has made an ethical decision to allow made on a case-by-case -case basis, even if it's basically the same as suicide. I haven't made that ethical decision. I don't think society has made that ethical decision either. Mm. And so a fundamental thing I think we need to reconcile with is this. When we're providing made, we need to be honest about what we're providing it for. And, and, and keep in mind, this is me saying this as a supporter of made, of how it initially came in to help compassionately relieve end-of-life suffering. Uh, it's now become something that's expanded to allow facilitated suicide to end life suffering, which is very different. And if our made laws are structured to say we're providing made for a medical condition that can't improve, then in all honesty, that can't be provided for mental illness because the fundamental safeguard would be bypassed for mental illness. And you can't build a solid foundation on essentially something that's a lie, right? If we're telling people it's for a condition that won't get better and we can't make that prediction for mental illness, then it can't be provided for that. So Having said that, the... well, I was just going to say that, you know, I think it, it's a very different question if people were to say, look, we actually think our made laws should be for uh, if you've suffered, quote unquote, enough, whatever mm -hmm. that means. That forces a different set of questions because then people have to start thinking what kind of suffering do we think people should be able to get made for and what suffering do we think should not qualify for made. And you also see it forces you to think about the other vulnerabilities that people might have in that sort of framework and then come up with appropriate safeguards and protocols and all of that. What we've done is we've medicalized it 
And we would then be pretending it's a medical thing when it's provided for mental illness. And that actually is not accurate. So do you think then that the entire conversation should should cease to exist? We should take this off the table when it comes to mental illness and and made being something that's that's even offered in that area? I mean doesn't it doesn't it then play into someone who's suffering from a a physical illness as well? I mean someone who's suffering from a terminal illness would also be depressed, would they not? Well, I think what we should be doing is actually in with honesty reviewing uh, what the evidence tells us, because that hasn't happened for this. You know, the whole thing with the mental illness piece, I'm not sure if you recall this, but when the government first brought in Bill C-7 in 2020, they brought in a draft of C-7. And in that initial draft, they actually had said, we will not provide it for mental illness because of many of these other reasons I'm citing. Mm. And for a year, they maintained those reassurances. It literally was less than a month before. Um, the bill actually then passed that there was a last minute amendment to introduce the sunset clause to say that, well, we'll provide it in 2023. And Mm -hmm. that amendment had about three hours of debate in the House of Commons. And it was cut short by a foreclosure motion. So the point I'm making is this hasn't actually been properly reviewed. And the sunset clause didn't say, should we provide it? What are the risks of providing it or any of those things? What it said is we will provide it just, you know, tell us how. I think we need to rewind and actually revisit, in all honesty, the actual evidence uh, about what we would be providing it for and and review the evidence before we, and and base policy on that, not on ideology. We likely need to revisit this conversation as well because there's so much to get to. That's all the time that we have with you, Sanu. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it tonight. That's Sanu Gain, Professor of Psychiatry. I hope everyone has great weekends and all the best for the upcoming holiday season. Hope Thank you, can you enjoy so much. You too.